listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Hey everybody, welcome to, uh, well, it's a mixed up episode of uh, the gory details. Um, this was supposed to be a double feature interview with uh, two of, of, I guess, horrors, modern horrors, uh, most relevant people, uh, Damian Leone and David Howard Thornton. Uh, you guys would know David Damian Leone from the director of Terrifier. And Howard Thornton, David Howard Thornton is from, well, he's Art the Clown. Um, unfortunately, we, we had a bunch of, of problems. Uh, we are, the entirety of the David Howard Thornton interview was corrupted. Uh, and as a result, we lost that. But we were able to salvage Damian Leone's interview. Um, so instead of this being a two-parter, this is going to just feature Damian Leone. So fans of the film Terrifier, sit back. You're in for something special. We talk about everything from special effects to uh, just his history as a director and, and, and filmmaker and special effects artist. Um, so the interview was a lot of fun. And we apologize for getting this one out to you so late. Our lesson learned is that we need to back up our episodes. Uh, as a result, I hope it doesn't take away from things. I hope you guys still manage to enjoy it. And we will be back next week with a full new episode presenting our top five films of 2018. Well, horror films of 2018. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll catch you all next week. Uh, Damien, thanks for joining us this evening. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> tell us a bit about your background and kind of how you got started in things. Um, I got into filmmaking, um, I would say when I was around 12, I started taking, uh, special effects makeup seriously, whereas I bought my first, uh, starter makeup kit, um, at a horror convention and, um, my first bottle of mint flavored fake blood and uh, a real machete. Obviously my mother had to buy me all these things. I, w- I was so young, but uh, a real machete that was, uh, that was dulled down and had the, uh, had a semicircle cut out of it, which is a classic Tom Savini gag. And I was already a huge fan of Tom Savini. That's how I got interested in special makeup effects from the, his VHS tape screen grates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was at that convention. So I also went there to meet my hero. So, so I met him and I bought my, uh, my first, uh, kit and the machete and I went home and I just started experimenting and getting my friends and throwing blood on them and uh, messing with liquid latex for the first time. And then gradually from there, uh, my friend's father had a camcorder and he let us borrow it. And then we would start filming the effects that I was learning because a lot of the effects are designed specifically to be in front of a camera or else the illusion doesn't work. So I started filming the effects and then we started building stories around the effects. And, um, and that was, and that was it. And then I just, as I, as I got older, I grew more interested in the craft of filmmaking as a whole. And, uh, I've, I've just never stopped since. Okay. So would you, would you say kind of just experimenting, uh, throughout the years is what helped you kind of hone in on anything or did you actually have any, uh, practical training as well? Uh, well, no practical training. As like I said, I started so young with just uh, 
just walking around with a camcorder, you know, strapped to me. I was like the kid in American Beauty. <laughs> for, for years, I just walked around with the camcorder, just filming anything. Uh, even when I was just hanging out with my friends, I would have the camcorder with me. I'd be filming the moon, just the moon outside if it looked cool, just just anything. Okay. And yeah, yeah. So, um, but then eventually, when I got out of high school, I did take one class because I figured I didn't have anything else to do. But uh, I certainly wasn't going to go to school for anything but filmmaking. So um, I didn't really have the money to go to film school. So, uh-huh. but I did I did take one film class um, at the New School University in um, in Manhattan, and uh, it was just a basic aesthetics of directing class where they just, they just teach you the the, the basics, uh, basic principles in filmmaking, mm-hmm. and. Um, it wasn't it was cool i feel like i would have enjoyed it now because i'm older and more mature but back then you know you you get into that class and they're showing you uh foreign films and talking about films that i had absolutely zero interest in that wasn't the reason why i got into filmmaking they weren't talking about the films that i loved so yeah so I, i didn't really learn much but i did we did have to make a um we had to make a short film that was probably five minutes long, and uh, it, it just had to be based around action, uh, no dialogue whatsoever. So since I was obsessed with blood and action and whatnot, I made, uh, I made mine about two guys just fighting. We had just, I just had a, a snowstorm, and um, we filmed in the cemetery behind my house and all this snow. So I filmed a very bloody knife fight with blood spraying around, hitting the snow and everything like that. And it sort of... <laughs> sort of wowed all the all the kids they didn't really see that coming um and it left an impression on my teacher at the time but then i, I left that class and i just sort of went on my own way and uh I, I maybe like maybe a year later he contacted me sent me an email saying that he was making his first film and he needed a, he remembered the effects in my short so uh, he needed a makeup artist so uh that was the first uh, official credit under my belt the first film i ever i ever worked on it was called love it was this indie indie film okay all right yeah, that's an awesome way to get started yeah yeah it was pretty cool judging from your shorts and i mean you know terrifier itself you, there's obviously a love for 80s era slashers uh what are some of your favorites oh boy <clears throat> all the all the slashers uh texas chainsaw massacre and um halloween the originals, of course, are my probably my top two favorite slashers. Then, uh, then the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, lo- I, lo- I love them all. I love uh, I love all the Friday Thirteenth. Everything. They're all. I've been watching them all since I'm a really, really little kid. Um, but you know, I love uh, Dawn of the Dead. The original Dawn of the Dead's arguably my favorite uh, horror movie of all time. The Fog, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I say I tell people when they ask me what's your favorite movie. I hate saying what's my favorite movie nowadays because I just love so many. Right. But uh, if I had to pick an all-time favorite, I always say Jaws is my favorite all around. Hey, I can't I can't fault that pick. It's a classic can't, for a reason, man. <laughs> can't, can't argue. Can't argue Jaws. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I was watching Terrifier for the first time, it kind of exudes this this this. Uh, grodiness that that really brought me back to stuff like maniac and like new york ripper and like you know the the really kind of like cult uh 80s slashers yeah maniac's certainly a huge inspiration that was always there again that's obviously a savini movie so i grew up i grew up watching all of those underground really gritty grimy horror movies as well uh like basket case is one of my favorites all those all the sleazy sort of new york movies i was watching at an entirely young age, too young. <laughs> yeah, so those um, Driller Killer, 
all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So that, those are the movies that I grew up watching rotting my brain. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about, uh, like modern horror and it's, it's kind of resurgence that's happening again in, in pop culture, um, that we've kind of been experiencing. It's great, man. I think there, um, I think there's been some lulls. I think horror movies now are definitely better in prior years. Um, I sort of, I feel like I sort of fell off track a little bit once maybe like the early 2000s mm-hmm. from then on I really because I from up until then I was such a just a geek in the best sense of the word right I'd seen everything every horror movie that came out all I did was watch movies and then they sort of just horror movies sort of lost me at that point yeah no I totally agree yeah I never really fully jumped back on like I don't I'm I'm pretty I don't really see that many horror movies anymore unless unless they really look amazing or there's something um just something that's reaching out to me but mm-hmm. for the most part I still don't see them that often but I did see recently I saw uh, Hereditary cuz everybody was talking about Hereditary so I had to see that one What do you think of that? <clears throat> I'll t- I'll tell you what the first 40 minutes I said if this continues on this track this will have been the best horror movie I've seen in the past 10, 15, 20 years. And okay. that's, that's how much I liked it. Now, I, they lost me a little bit because, spoiler, I, I wish it didn't take a supernatural turn. I, I, I was hoping that it was going to be real, that it was, it was just psychological issues. Okay. Um, so, but I just had to, you know, I just had to suspend my disbelief. And then once that happened, then I had to, you know, re engage. But I, I still thought it was a really awesome, awesome movie at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I did. I did like that. I liked Mother. That's more of a kind of movie that I have to uh, go out of my way to see. I follow movies uh, more, more so that about directors that I like, that I follow and think are doing really interesting, cool things. So like Darren Aronofsky is always going to make something really, really good and interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah, so Mother like, was a bit of a controversial one. I mean, there there were yeah, people hated it or loved it. I, yeah, I loved there it. seemed to be really no in between. I was on the I was on the the latter though. I really actually liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought it was great. How do you feel about kind of like the the resurgence of of, of slashers that has been going on with like the reboots and stuff like that, like Halloween? Did you have have you seen the latest Halloween? I did see the latest Halloween. I I liked it, um, but I didn't love it. I thought I thought they played it a little too safe. Yeah. For me, I feel like it didn't it didn't push the the movie in any radical new direction. Mm-hmm. It just you know you know what I'm saying. I um yeah. I mean like it, the it franchise. Kind of, yeah, I don't I don't think it did either. Yeah. Um. Again, I just felt like they 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 played it safe, which uh, it had a lot of good things going for it. Um. I wish they explored more. It's funny. I just did a uh, <laughs> I just did a podcast two nights ago. Uh, where they wanted me to just come on and talk about the entire Halloween franchise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we talked about it for hours. There were so many technical difficulties. I was I was on that podcast for like three and a half hours. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I got to ask I got to ask you though real quick. You know, there's one scene in particular in the new Halloween movie where where Michael hollows out somebody's head and uses it uses it as, uses it as a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, right. And all of us kind of collectively thought, well, David Gordon Green must have seen Terrifier. <laughs> How did you feel about it when you saw it? When when I saw the uh, the footage, because I saw it in um, I saw it in a still months before the movie came out, and I just and then I saw the replica 
that Trick or Treat Studios put out. And when I really got to see the replica, uh, I said, "Oh my!" Like that, it's almost identical to the yeah. uh, to the head. But I don't, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they stole it. Or if they did, I mean, that's the greatest honor in the world because. Uh, how many things have I stolen in Terrifier from Halloween? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. We, uh, well, you have been putting out Art the Clown movies for for some time now, and one one particular stand, standout is is All Hallows Eve. Uh, which I actually just rewatched the other day, uh, getting ready to do this interview and everything. And the ending, the ending scene of that of the third short, man, I think that's like just as unnerving as as anything that actually happens in Terrifier itself. Uh, yes, thank you. I so, agree. <laughs> so what was it like working with with Mike Gianelli versus David Howard Thornton as art? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, Mike is my close friend that I've known for since uh 2003 now uh we're still very very close um the difference is he's not an actor and dave is so and that's that's the main reason why um mike isn't art the clown anymore he would have been i begged him to do it but um he just couldn't he couldn't take the hours in the makeup chair and just how just how daunting of a task it is to and just it's it's pretty grueling. It's not it, it's not fun. It's long hours, and uh, it's just uncomfortable. And if you're not an actor and you're not really into it, you know. Uh, so 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 that's really the difference. But um, Dave brings a lot more uh, a lot more physicality to the role. He's a lot more animated, mm-hmm. and he just has he just has a broader skill set uh, as an act. He's he's very theatrical. He's been in a million plays. He uh, yeah he's he's obsessed with the the Joker just as a character right right it, you know so um he's 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 just he's a natural so as soon as he walked in and did the uh, the audition like twenty seconds into the audition I said you know this is this is our guy it's going to be pretty hard to find somebody better than this especially because Dave Dave had the physicality uh, height and um, you know he's slender and I always envisioned Art to be a little tall and lanky and very skinny mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that comes across as a little creepier so uh, so yeah so he was just he blessing blessing in the skies okay you know, uh, so you have a short featuring an alien in All Hallows Eve as well. And it's almost kind of jarring when you compare it to the rest of the film because it's so different. Uh, have you uh, have you ever thought about tackling more sci-fi-related horror in the future? Because I would really love to see you do something with, like... And I know this is kind of like a pipe dream, but I would love to see you do something with, like, a huge budget, like, almost like The Thing, considering your, oh, your yeah. background yeah. for special effects. That could be amazing. No, I, I, would, I would absolutely love to, um, especially since... You know, I botched that alien segment so so bad in All Hallows Eve, but uh, that was, um, you know, that that was that was never the intention. It was, I actually had built this uh, puppet because the alien wasn't supposed to be played by a human, okay. but it, it, the idea was so ambitious. And then by the time it came down to filming, it just did not work. It didn't look good, and then we just had a scramble. And we were just running around like chickens with our head cut off, and we just had to say, you know, we need a, we need to just put a guy in this right. and do. It. And it was yeah, so that never that's on a scale from one to ten, how that came out to what I envisioned was a zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't bring it up to like make you like feel embarrassed about it or anything. Honestly, I think I think it's pretty good in terms of the fact that you you know you you very clearly did this whole movie on a on a shoestring budget. So I mean, it's. 
I think you I think you accomplished what you set out to do. You, of course, you you're going to be your own harshest critic, right? Yeah, I always am. Um, I don't really get embarrassed about like I, I'm not like a firm believer in um, like how important failures are. Even if uh, even if people think you did something cool, but you, deep inside you feel like you did it didn't do it uh, justice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I like um, I like getting better. So I'm not you know I, when I see critiques. And I'll read everything that pops up online, uh, from no matter who's writing it. I'll see what they're saying, and uh, it's either I either agree or I, I don't agree with it. So if it's a genuine critique that I feel like I could benefit from, some constructive criticism, uh, I'll take it, especially if that's the consensus. So yeah, I'm not one that really gets um, flustered when I see people bad mouthing things. Like I, I know what's good and what's not. Okay, for the most. Yeah, All right. fair enough. Uh, so I saw some some interviews that you've done with with other outlets, and you continually mention that you have these plans for a zombie film and a vampire film. Uh, oh. Considering your your ability to kind of put <laughs> deranged gore in all its glory, like on the screen, I would love to 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 know what a vampire film from you would be like. Can you share any details about it with us? Um. Well, it was. I can't really give out any plot details, but it it would be. Um, it does follow sort of a, a, a resurrected. I'm trying to see if what I can give away. Um, yeah. Well, in tone, it would be much closer to. I'd say something like Salem's Lot, the original Salem's Lot. Okay. Because that's one of my favorite. I mean, I love so many vampire movies, but in terms of just creepy, like old fashioned seventies creepy, uh, I, I think that might be the creepiest one. Uh, I love. There's so many great scenes in Salem's Lot. It just has a great atmosphere. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know? for a made for TV film, you can't really get much better than that, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me let me just say this. It would be so. My vampire movie would be Salem's Lot meets Jacob's Ladder meets Maniac. Okay. All right, yeah. dude, you've got me sold. <laughs> you've got me sold. Shut up and take my money, man. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, so we recently talked with, with David about his performances at the cloud, and, and he had nothing but wonderful things to kind of say about the experiences working on the film. So let's let's open up with, with an obvious question. Uh, what's, it, what's it like directing a silent clown, you know, trying to get him to animate himself? What... It's very easy, actually. It's probably oh, the easiest okay. part of the entire process. So a lot of times I know exactly what I want for, um, for Art the Clown to do. Um, there, there's a lot of scenes in the movie where he makes a specific face, like a creepy face or something like that, where I just know I just know what I want. Like there's a specific shot in the pizzeria where um, – we, we cut to Jenna, like he's already started making creepy faces at her. And then we cut to uh, Jenna, the Tara character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we cut back and Arthur Clown, he's just, he just has this other freaky face staring at her. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if he's, yeah. But uh, so like that face, I knew exactly what I want him to make. But then when he first starts making faces, I just set the camera up and I told Dave, give me, just give me a wide range of, of all kinds of faces. And I'll choose, I'll choose in the editing room, which ones I want to use. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, it's really just with him. It's really just like stage direction when I'm just telling, you know, like hit your, hit your marks here and do that. Unless there's, there's room for him to be very goofy and playful or when I, I know I can, uh, I could call upon Dave to bring his, 
his theatrics to it. Right. Yeah, because it's great. It's great that he gives me a. He, there's a spectrum of of um, performance that he can give me, and I can choose later on. So depending on how I decided to cut the movie, it could have been a different Art the Clown performance if I chose, you know, take six as opposed to take two or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's a piece of cake, really, working with Dave. It's it's so easy. All right. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I was I was expecting that to be kind of like one of the harder things, but I I, I guess it wasn't. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, not at, not at all. Uh, so most of the clowns, even in horror films, they kind of have these these bright and vibrant colors. But Art doesn't. He's just he's black and white. What was the reasoning behind that? If there is any, the reason behind that was because I didn't want him to um, have anything in common with Pennywise other than him be a killer clown. Okay. So I, yeah, I knew way back then. Even, I mean, this was we 2006. I want to say somewhere around there. I made the first short film with Art the Clown. Right. So back then, obviously, we didn't have this Pennywise. You had the Stephen King one. It was very colorful. Um, yeah, his constantly wisecracking mm-hmm. and speaking. You know, killer clown, but doesn't use weapons. Uh, so I made yeah, Art's. The complete opposite. He uses weapons. He doesn't speak. He's bald. He's black and white. Um, so yeah, you go down the line, you'll, you'll see how I tried to stay as far away from Pennywise as I could. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're definitely trying to divide the character from everything else that's that's ever appeared, and I think you did a great job of that. Um, is there a reason as to as to why he he doesn't speak? Did you just kind of like borrow from from Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, or is there more to it than that? <laughs> Uh, no, that's definitely part of it. I always gravitated. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Freddy, but I gravitate a little more toward the silent killers okay. for, some, for some reason. So that was a big deal. That, that was a big reason. Uh, plus, you're, you're cutting out one one more difficult job to do, which is to write dialogue for a character. So you take that away. It's just one less thing I have to worry about. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so. Uh, so I guess... The next, the next thing I've got to ask about art, man, is 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 what's with, what's with the shit hands? You know, it's a, it's a unique touch, but is there a reason for it other than just you know gross out factor? No, certainly gross out factor is the is the main thing, main objective there. But um, I don't know, maybe that's just me being sick and just wondering how human are these characters? Like, how human are your villains, and how personal can you get with them? Okay. Like, 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 do they have to go to the bathroom at some point? Like, especially Michael Myers in part one has to go to the bathroom, I guess. That's <laughs> you know? So, I don't know. Uh, it's just, could could we tackle that and make it funny? And it just, again, it's something new that I can do because I'm taking all these tropes and cliches that you've seen a million times and there's only so many sort of fresh touches I could put on it. Right. So, I take a lot of risks. They don't all work, but that was... That was one that I did in the short film, and I, I thought it was funny and it worked. So I said, "I'll do it again." That'll be one of his one of his things. Yeah, no, I think I think it's actually a pretty good touch, just because, like, at least from a viewer perspective, it's it's just like another additional like unnerving factor about him. You know, like the fact that that we've seen him yeah. twice now in prominent, and at least when he's been prominently featured, where he's there's a scene where he just takes the time to smear shit all <laughs> over the place. It's like he he's not just interested in in destroying all the characters; he wants to right. destroy like the property. <laughs> like everything else that he comes in contact with so i think it adds this unique element to him yeah well he's a big uh i'm big on the foreplay with his character so he likes to he likes to screw with the the victims mentally emotionally as much as he can before he 
before he kills them. Yeah. So that that's another that's just another method of screwing with them. Everything with him is is a gradual build up. So it'll start almost playful until it becomes the most sadistic thing imaginable. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think you illustrated that pretty well, especially in the build up with Terrifier. So uh collectively all of us kind of knew that that this movie was going to be messed up when we saw the trailer for it, but we honestly had no idea how fucked up this whole thing was going to get. Uh Tell us about where your mind was when you came up with some of these kills. What was your what was your inspiration? Well, the main hacksaw kill, which is the most, we knew that was going to be the most talked about scene in the movie. Uh, so we, we we took the most time planning that and executing it uh, from pre production through through filming. Uh, I believe that was something where I um, I looked up uh, medieval torture methods. And, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, that's a real method. That was a real method of uh, killing. I think in the 1500s or something. Yeah. So yeah, they would hang people upside down. It was a giant saw, like a two-man saw, one at each end, and they would just start sawing the person in half. And uh, so it's not quite like the way we portray it in the movie. But what is real that a lot of people don't realize is they think that she would have died a lot sooner, and apparently that's not the case because all of the blood when you're hanging upside down drains. Uh-huh. to the lower end of your body, like all starts draining to your chest and your head. So you can, and there's no major arteries in your stomach. So you can saw down pretty far before the person dies. Probably, oh, wow. probably the, the mid chest plate, which is horrifying. Yeah, that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I mean, speaking of that scene in particular, uh, David informed us that the whole setup for that was actually like a lot more involved than, than the film even led on. So uh, he mentioned that, that, there were issues with with leaving uh, Catherine hanging upside down for too long, and that there was an incident with rotting meat. What was it like? I guess shooting behind the, behind the scenes for the shooting of all that. Yeah, the the rotting meat thing didn't really bother me. I don't, I don't remember that too much because um, I think we had we had some sort of a sausage casing that we filled with. I think just fat. Uh-huh. To make the intestines, and, and at some point, I think he cut it. Uh, he cut it open with the hacksaw, <laughs> just while shooting the scene, and that smell started to seep out. Um, I, I've been around way grosser things on movie sets where that doesn't even come close. Like we film, I filmed something once with real, real intestines, and you never forget what that smells like. Oh God, I can't even imagine. That's not even close. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what you see is really what we did. There's really no illusion. So she's really hanging upside down from that apparatus. That's uh, crazy. Yeah, we'd never done anything like that before. We didn't have any technicians helping us out. So we built that the night before and we tested it out with uh, my cameraman who's you know 230 pounds. And we put him up there and hung him from his ankles and said, if he's going to hold him, it's going to hold her. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did. And then and basically we would, uh, we'd have a platform that she would sit on up top and uh, she would we would shackle her legs in and we had a bunch of just pa so we'd pull the uh we'd pull the platform out and gently bring her down and then we'd film for whatever we had to film for no more than a minute and then we'd have to quickly get her right back up gotcha Uh, yeah so but yeah there was there was an issue where i I think something happened with the uh the blood rushing to her head where she got she got really uh nauseous or threw something off inside of her where she had to go to the doctor like the next day or something like that i mean she was fine but yeah she got sick a little bit yeah yeah i mean she's obviously she was a trooper it sounds it sounds like the whole cast was though during the filming of this with all like the late nights and and the fact that david had to sit through so much so much makeup and all that kind of stuff i mean that's crazy uh, 
Catherine was was extraordinary. Like it was actually too good to be true. How cool she was with that with that scene. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had people complain about the most insane thing that the most unimaginable thing where where it's like you can't believe the person's complaining about this and and Catherine was just so gung-ho about that scene when she read it in the script she was she was like yeah we got to make this like the greatest thing we could possibly do okay all right super cool yeah it's it's kind of i would imagine it's kind of rare to stumble across somebody who's so like you said gung-ho about that kind of stuff that's pretty awesome yeah um so were you expecting all these positive reactions when you were making the film well, I knew from all the years of messing around, like just from the first short film with Art the Clown, then I made Terrifier short film. And even when All Hallows Eve came out, even if they don't like the movie, they always like Art the Clown. So he's kind of like he's kind of like the safety net. <laughs> um, so I knew that people were well, I was hoping, but I had an idea that people were still going to like Art the Clown as long as I don't screw his character up. And um and I knew we were going to put some really badass kill scenes in it. So if you were going to, if you were showing up to watch a slasher film, I didn't think you were going to be easily disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were, you know, delivering some cool kills with a pretty cool killer. So that's pretty much uh, what you're hoping for when you see a slasher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you got the the, the two pillars of slasher movie making right, right there. Uh, <laughs> So tell me about your experiences with Netflix. It was kind of a surprise when we when we saw the announcements that art was going to be on the streaming service. How's reception been on that since you guys debuted? And, and I guess how is your relationship with them? Yeah, when we heard about it, we were stoked because we knew that was going to be uh, just we, – we knew there were going to be so many more eyes on it once it hit Netflix. I and mean, people – people dream to get their movie on Netflix. So that was so friggin' cool. And, and sure enough, the popularity certainly grew once it was on there, especially they put it on at the perfect time. It was just around Halloween. They, they put it on like September. So just in time. And, um, uh, it's, it's been, it's been great, man. It's just been so much artwork has, has come out after that. And people are painting murals. Yeah. I've seen a couple of the ones that you've linked. They're, they're mind blowing, man. <laughs> Oh man, it's so crazy! I, we finally went to, we finally got to go down to Manhattan uh, and take a picture in front of the mural here because it's only going to be up till March. And then, sure enough, like two days later, another one popped up in Miami. So now we have one in Miami, one in New York, and there's one in London. So I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that trend continues. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's that's nuts, man. I mean, especially when you've got such talented people working on them, man. Some of these mural, I mean, some of the drawings, some of the. I, I guess even the memes, man, that I've started seeing. I saw one the other day. Actually, you might have posted it up of of uh, Elf on a Shelf getting getting hacksaw. <laughs> Elf on a Shelf, yeah, yeah, yeah people, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, another cool thing about Netflix was when the first couple of weeks it was on there. It was um, th- there. There's a website when you can track how it's doing along with other movies, and it was in the top top like 20 out of every movie and every show i think it came in at number 14 is the most popular movie on netflix at one point i mean that's pretty that's pretty amazing for such a low budget movie that uh really doesn't have anything behind it but word of mouth at this point so that was that was really cool yeah yeah absolutely um so have you got any ideas as to like where you'd like to go with the terrifier sequel i yeah i have the whole script is uh pretty close to ready to rock man it's almost it's almost done so i know exactly where it's going awesome is it actually going to be a sequel are you looking at kind of more of an origin story or 
I think I've said this already, so it's not too much of a spoiler. But like the first, uh, the first like fifteen minutes is sort of a prelude, uh, sort of a backstory we're going to, to show, and then we go into the the official sequel. Okay. Yeah. All right. So like, uh, I, I I'm kind of imagining like like Hellraiser vibes, like the later ones where it kind of like started to explain a little bit about Pinhead's background before kind of jumping into into everything else is that kind of like the direction that you're trying to take it hopefully a little bit better than those <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much i haven't seen any of the hellraiser movies past part four i don't, I don't think oh, uh, okay all right you're not you're not really missing much to be honest <laughs> i know i probably just offended a whole bunch of hellraiser fans but you know it is what it is yeah that's a shame i was one of my favorites as well first hellraiser is one of my favorite horror movies yeah uh, yeah i mean yeah um my one of the other hosts of the podcast, Alex. It's it's her absolute go to. She <laughs> she absolutely oh, eats so them up. Good. It's so good, but uh, but yeah. So that that's what I'm doing. I'm not, yeah. I'm not interested in making a, a full on origin story, but we're definitely gonna touch upon it. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely gonna let people give people hints. I don't know if I'm gonna hammer it over their heads exactly who or what he is. Um, cause I, I, my, my plan is to make three movies. I want to make a solid trilogy. Okay. So, yeah. So part two is all pretty much ready to go. I know exactly what it is. Um, I have a lot of ideas for part three, part three isn't completely fleshed out yet. So, uh, but it, I, I'm super excited, man. I think, I think if you liked terrifier one, you're absolutely going to like the second one. And if you had problems with terrifier one, you still might like the second one, especially if you're looking for more story. Okay. But if, if you had problems with the gore and terrifier one, that there's no point in seeing part two. <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious to see how you're going to kind of up the ante on that, on that level. Uh, and so I got to, I'm going to end with this question. One of my favorite things about, well, just, collectively all of your filmmaking that i've seen is the practical effects uh there are moments where i found myself kind of pausing and rewinding i actually reached out to you you responded back telling me that you use a little cgi to kind of enhance some of the practical effects here and there um and i gotta applaud the fact that it's it at least for me it was almost impossible to pick up on um so as a makeup artist where do you kind of draw the line on cgi and where do you think it enhances the overall effect well it's cool like i'm trying to think of instances where i use it in the film like a simple like the scene um all right the shot where uh victoria in the beginning the mutilated girl like uh pokes the eyes out right of uh of the monica brown character yeah so the blood pumps detached from her wrist they were hidden behind her arm and they were com- they were just so they were right in the shot okay. when she so i i erased them because you could do that with CGI, so that's that's incredible. That's an incredible tool to have with with, with CGI. Um, um, I have a plan to do a lot of cool stuff with with CGI that you would never. I don't think you would ever really know I'm using it. Um, whereas we could do terrible things to fake bodies, but we can digitally put, let's say, um, let's say we're we're cutting off uh, an actor's head. You do that to a fake body, but you can digitally put the actor's face onto that fake head. So you actually see the actor reacting uh, and grimacing and everything while he's getting his head sewed off. Like that's something you absolutely can do realistically with practical effects. It doesn't mean you have to shoot it that way, but if you want to slowly saw somebody's head off, you don't really want to keep looking 
at a fake head for longer than five, you know, two seconds. Yeah, you gonna- yeah, you always got to cut away to make it yeah. make it seem real. At least, <laughs> at least back then. Exactly. So there's like little little things like that. Um, yeah, you can just make uh, deeper looking wounds on people's bodies where you can only take so much away from a face if you want to look inside a look inside someone's head or something like that. You know, you need CGI for things like that. So that there are cool ways to use it in a, in a slasher movie, but uh, I draw the line with CGI blood. I, I, I like in The Walking Dead when they when you see all that fake uh, c- computerized blood coming yeah, out. Man. That takes me right out of it. Me too. Me too. Right. Preach on, yeah. man. Preach on. <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> uh, well, I think that about wraps it up. I mean, is there anything that you wanted to plug before we let you go? Um, no. I'm hopefully, I, I'll, I'll just be making a cool announcement about the sequel very soon. Okay. Um. We're we're trying to get um, we're trying to make the first official action figure like the three uh, the three point seven five inch like the Star Wars the original Star Wars sort of toys okay that so we're gonna try and make a limited run of those like two thousand of those so we might come out with that very soon um, but yeah I mean if you follow my Instagram or the Art the Clown Facebook page um, I'm always posting notices and new up to date news on those. Okay, what are you uh, on Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you? Twitter, um, I'm hardly ever on Twitter. I don't even know what what my name is on there. Okay, uh, exactly like exactly how it's uh, how it's written on there. Uh, Instagram is Damien underscore Leone, and then um, yeah, at Art the Clown, I guess is the Facebook one. That's the yeah, that's the official one. Okay. All right. Uh, and yeah, we'll go ahead and put all that stuff in the episode description too. So people can just click on those links and, and give you a follow if they like, uh, Damien, once again, man, thank you for your time. This has been a fantastic interview and very insightful. Oh, thank you so much. This is a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up with the interview. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I wish you all a happy 2019. And uh, we'll be back next week, like I said, with our uh, top five moves in 2018. We'll see you all then. Take care.